0: Many of us go into patterns at work that are similar to the family unit in which we learned these codependent behaviors. And like you do when you are going for a romantic partner, you attract what you're used to, what is comfortable. And there's something that happens without even speaking, which is why you have to do the work because you can still answer all the questions correctly and end up in a codependent situation. Because somehow your inner work matches their inner work. And like water finds like water. You're listening to The Recovered Life Show,
1: the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. Welcome back to The Recovered Life Show. I am joined today by Christina Dennis. She's the coach that helps you break codependency patterns. Welcome to the show, Christina.
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited.
1: I'm excited to have you. Uh, I was really looking forward to this conversation because you are an expert in everything codependency. And right now, everybody is gearing up either to go back at work, interviewing for a job, redefining how they're going to work post-pandemic. Right. And I want to talk with you today about codependency relationships at work. And right. I guess that that's a that's a thing, right?
0: It absolutely is. And it's kind of surprising because most of us look at these relationships as romantic or within family unit. But many of us who are codependent, and I am a lovely recovering codependent and wear it now like a badge of honor because I know that I was able to do the work to break the patterns. We usually are codependent because of early childhood years. And that is not just relegated or or separated to your romantic relationship. Many of us go into patterns at work that are similar to the family unit in which we learned these codependent behaviors. And like you do when you are going for a romantic partner, you attract what you're used to, what is comfortable. And there's something that happens without even speaking, which is why you have to do the work because you could still answer all the questions correctly and end up in a codependent situation because somehow your inner work matches their inner work and like water finds like water. So it's worth it.
1: Yeah. You know, I think the pandemic brought out a lot of people's attention to work issues that they had that, that maybe were, were kind of there, but they just, because of the hustle and bustle in life, commuting to work, getting projects done, family. They just didn't really pay that much attention to them and and really realize how dysfunctional they were until all of a sudden they're working at home for a year. And the whole dynamic shifts. How do you know if you're in a codependent relationship at work? What does that look like, Christina?
0: Well, uh, it's a symbiotic relationship. The codependent is in codependency patterns with another codependent. And it's where your boundaries are very, very fuzzy, you know, and not exactly clear where you're expected to behave a certain way for the positive benefit of another person, even if it means that you suffer and that you get less. In addition, there's a whole flip side to it as a leader. And I was a a leader in extreme industries. I ran large hotels. I had many, many employees. I was incredibly codependent with my managers and anybody who was close to me where I fulfilled their personal needs and didn't hold them accountable to complete their work because of a friendship, because I wanted to be liked. So it's both sides. And a lot of times people have this image that codependent people are weak, uh, don't have courage, don't speak up. And that's not necessarily true. It's about the nature of the relationships that we are having the lack of boundaries and the um, unspoken contracts, which it are is very really,
1: important. It isn't the always the person because I think when people think of a stereotype of a codependent person, they're thinking of a victim, right? Yes, somebody who's being victimized, they're being abused, they're being, you know, they're being asked to do things that r- really they shouldn't be doing that aren't their responsibilities. But sometimes, and in many cases, I, I have noticed it is in organizations. It is with the leaders, yes, and also the leaders taking responsibility for uh, coworkers and and subordinates and people that they manage, right? Um, trying to always make sure that everything is okay all the time.
0: Well, and let's say a nice example of that is when you have a troubled employee, but you have a concern for them as a person, which every manager should have. But yours goes a little bit further. And you're the person who's the glue that's keeping the department gap together. You're advocating for this troubled employee. You're hurting the team because you're trying to be everything to everyone. And that is not possible. Uh, even in a situation where we're all kind of getting along, one person's preferences are going to need to be the leader, the common goal.
1: Now, we know that in some relationships, with really every relationship, they go through ebbs and flows where somebody will mm-hmm. give more and then somebody will receive more, yes. right? And it goes back and it shifts back and forth. And I think that that's probably a normal thing you would say, right? Absolutely. But how do you know if 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 you're in a work relationship that's codependent, how do you know if this is becoming an issue? What are some of the feelings that you'll feel if sure. this is happening?
0: Well, there's going to be this angst and this... Extreme desire on your part to please the other person. You know, the fear that comes up if you need to move a date or you're not available to work because something serious happened. I've seen it explored where people uh, don't believe in calling in sick and they're brought in working, the hours that are demanded. I mean, in many ways, some of our broken codependent patterns came from outside of the family too, where there's this expectation in the industry that you're going to work because that's what it takes. You know, there's a whole hierarchy about people that come in that don't have the experience and they get pushed. And in addition, there's the whole uh, gender issue with females who have have families and they get pulled. And so when you are being asked to go beyond beyond a zone then, which that costs you too high, if that makes sense, when the cost is too high, when it's against your family, it's against your uh, personal serenity, it's against your peace. It's not taking into consideration that you are a, a human being that needs rest and needs, you know, food and needs uh, to have a vacation. Um, it's that unhealthy expectation that employees will be thinking about 24-7 work.
1: Yeah. And I've, and you know, I've, I've noticed a- this. Yeah. Right. Like you notice this if you're ever in a workplace situation, whether you either work for the company or not, if you're on a team of mm-hmm. people, which a lot of people now remotely, they might not work directly for the 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 company, but they're maybe it's a client right. or a contractor or something. And, you know, I've noticed that um, you know, people who care too much, that not mm-hmm. that it's not great to care about the company and the clients that you have, but this over caring. To, mm-hmm. to a place where it's almost an illness, right? It's making people sick. I, right. I've seen that a lot. What, what other things do you see in these codependent office situations that are really potentially destructive?
0: Well, I mean, the the idea that not everybody has a voice or that one person's opinion is greater than another person's opinion, that breaks any kind of autonomy that you have, Within the relationships, the also if you look at the people pleasers that aren't really getting necessarily their work done, or they're getting their work done, but they are taking surveys of you know everybody, and is this what you want? And before they make a decision, uh, they've taken a survey of twenty people who got pulled away from their work to participate. I've seen this in personal relationships and I've seen it in the professional relationships and the lack of focus on one idea that works for the whole team or clear goals. That's the other thing that we haven't um, spoken about, those unwritten, invisible contracts uh, that codependents have. Uh, with their bosses, and the bosses have it with their employees and coworkers. They're going to care as much as I do about this. They are going to make considerations for my family. Uh, they're going to, uh, I, I don't know, allow me to have this time off, or I'm never allowed to have this time off, you know, the flip side. It's absolutely destructive within an organization when one group of people is getting their needs met by another group of people and it's not uh, reciprocated.
1: Do, do you feel that people in recovery, um, you know, people that are in addiction recovery, mm-hmm are more susceptible to getting into these situations, I, you know, because I've, I've always noticed, you know, I've always been told that, that sometimes people with addiction issues, aren't the best pickers typically, right. That's we don't, the right word, right. We don't pick like the right situations only until we have some training and some recovery. Right. And we understand how to make really good decisions. So with everybody going back to work, Christina, like a lot of people are interviewing, they're changing jobs, you know, before they were in the pandemic it's totally different now, Absolutely. right? And they're going back and everybody's kind of going back to the workplace one way or the other. Mm-hmm. What's some of the, the things that you could tell people to look for about codependency, right? Like that it, this might be not a great place for me to work.
0: Well, certain statements like we, um, I remember one time hearing, we expect you to come in early and stay late. That's a red flag. You know, when they're not clear work hours, there's not clear expectations when they, you know, say some of the things that we've heard in the past that we know are really toxic. Like, you know, we we uh, busted hard today. We take care of our own. We um, everybody here gives one hundred and ten percent. Those are expectations that you're being told ahead ahead of time. You know, the other things is to look at how long people have stayed there. You know, what are you going to be able to interview with somebody else who's in that position? You know, why did the last person leave that position? Even if, you know, the, nobody's going to say, well, I was a terrible boss, but you'll hear them say things like, they couldn't handle it. You know, it's like a breakup. Nobody is one sided, right? When you're doing a breakup with somebody and you're interviewing for that person's job, uh, one of them is. If there's not a uh, an admittance of both, you know, then, you know, oh, this person isn't willing to look at what happened. If they say something like they left, they went on to a better job. We didn't have that job for them. I'd have them back in a heartbeat. Those are pretty good signs. But yeah, if somebody the, yeah. says, yes, yeah, right.
1: The whole inability to leave even, you know, right. um, I, I always, you know, I heard somebody say, a long time ago, is that you know that there's codependency issues if there's a lot of un- un- uneven exchanges yes. of energy, right? Yes. Like, like, and these expectations that are that are huge. You know, having been a business owner, you know, I learned really early on that the junior assistant isn't going to have the same desire to uh, to to make the company go forward. As I would as the owner, right? So right. I have to be careful about my expectations, especially being in recovery. I have to be clear about my expectations and what I expect right. and what I'm going to give in, in in that place of those expectations.
0: Exactly. If there's some kind of bravado about how you know my team gives blood, sweat, and tears, then you have to look at, oh, that doesn't seem like the right way. If there's limits on when you can get raises, these are really good questions to ask. How long do they uh, make you wait before you're uh, actually eligible for insurance? Um, I believe that we all were—we all just experienced a huge awakening in which we can ask these questions. But if you're a codependent and you go into an interview with the lens of "I hope they like me," versus looking at "Well, do I like them and do I fit in that company?" You know. Do I, do they have the things that I need in order to stay quite some time? You know, are you going to yeah. be here for, you know, five years? There are certain things that people tell you. And if you have that little excitement, but it kind of reminds you of a, a little bit of your family dynamic, or if you have any kind of red flag at all. I remember I interviewed for this position and it was the, um, the, the uh, administrator of an autism clinic, which is near and dear to my heart, very important. And I was going to have access to free treatment. It seemed like it was perfect. In the initial meeting, when she was introducing me to the staff, she said, she's, she's available 24-7. And because my son needed um, treatment, and she had me. At least I felt like she had me, but everything in my body said, no, I'm not. And at that time, it would have been appropriate for me to pull her aside and say, oh, we need to clarify that. I have a special need child home. I'm not going to be available.
1: So when they say things
0: like that, what's your availability? What if we call you in? These are all things to talk about. They don't necessarily mean that you don't take the job. But they're things to talk about for you.
1: So, so important because what you're talking about, especially with people who are in recovery, mm-hmm. is an opportunity to be able to practice this, right? Right. Is to be able to go in an interview, to be able to see it. And, you know, look, no situation is perfect, right? There's yeah. always going to be. You know, there's always going to be the person that bugs you everywhere in any, any right. place that you go. There's always going to be something that that's not perfect about it. But but being able to see these flags and being able to say it's like, okay, you know what? I can work within that boundary, or I can't work within the boundary. And that's gonna maybe that's gonna really hurt my recovery and it's gonna hurt my serenity and just my right. overall life right. is such a really great skill. Um, you know. To wrap this up, I want to talk about strategies here because so many times people talk about codependency. Yes. And they talk about, you know, oh, it's so codependent. It's this, it's that. Yes. And, but there's really no way out, right? Christina, mm-hmm. it's like they're, they're talking about things that are really horrible and people are experiencing, but there seems to be no strategy to get out. So what what are a couple really rock solid strategies, you know, as an expert that you can impart on people who might be in an employment situation that they love but right. they notice that wow, you know, this is codependent. H- how can they start to kind of set some boundaries and take back some personal power?
0: Well, you know, rather than jump right to HR, are those some cases that is where you need to go? they need to be able to see if their supervisor or their coworker uh, is willing to sit down. It's also really important to, to, before you go in, get very, very clear on what it is you want. And that's so hard for codependents. So take the time to do a little bit of a complaint fast, where you notice every time that you want to complain, Look at see, is there anything that I can do about this particular situation that's making me unhappy that I can do without anybody else? Because sometimes those of us who are in recovery do know we have resources and know that we can do something for our own mindset and our own spirituality, but also include like, what would your job look like? What would be the best situation all right, for you? And then focusing on the fact that it's not necessarily going to be A or B, that it may be C. And C is always the best answer because it combines what A and B are needing, you know, be ready to have a two-way conversation because as you open up what you need to say, there may be a chance that they have things that they need to say and ask very respectfully because that's, that's the business part of it. Hey, I have something to discuss with you. When would be a good time and schedule an appointment? Um, start off with the pros of how much you love your job, and then finish with some strategies that you think would help you uh, perform better. You know, now well, stra-
1: timing's everything with this, right? So right. you don't you you don't want to run in at like the end of the sales day and, and exactly. you know, with, in front of everybody and start, you know and start re- trying to reset boundaries. Well, and I think. You, you, brought, know, you, up people, you know, that's yes. another thing with yeah. people, you know? Yeah. How do you do that? Big, like, okay. how do you know that that's the right time? You make an appointment, right. Yes. To, to be able to talk to them.
0: And you do it in a respectful tone. If you put anybody in a position, like within a meeting, cause you're, you're bringing up a very good point. You, you start doing passive aggressive behaviors. You start character assassinating the people behind you. You've already lost, you've already broken. And that tends to be the route of codependents that aren't willing to look at their part, or willing to make some changes, they will, uh, you know, set up a situation, do a survey for the people, badmouth the the boss, roll their eyes. You know, we all bring in our family dynamics sometimes, and being able to cover to. To uncover and discover that part about yourself gives you the opportunity to discuss it with somebody else, so that when you go in, you're sticking to what really needs to happen.
1: Yeah, that that that's wonderful, and mm-hmm. you know that is such great advice uh, because I think what it does is it sets you up for success, even if that ends up not being the place for you. Right. It allows you to be able to to exert some sort of boundaries and to Mm -hmm. be able to communicate effectively without it becoming uh, volatile or, Mm -hmm. you know, back into another really bad codependent relationship where where you're at odds with everyone. What about the coworker? What about the coworker who asks you for everything? Uh You know, is there, do, do you recommend doing it all at once or slowly starting to put up boundaries?
0: Absolutely. Slowly is better. <laughs> Unless somebody is abusing you, then a boundary needs to be set immediately. But slowly is always better. Starting to have, make sure that you know your boundaries. Okay. If you have a coworker that doesn't finish their job and needs help and you're, you need to be somewhere in an hour, then you know very clearly, I will do this and I will do this, but I won't do that and you say to that person, you almost teach them that you're starting to have boundaries because they are going to be a little surprised at first. This dynamic, our part in this dynamic, is that we haven't said anything before, you know, we haven't done that. So when you start doing it, remember that you've done all the thinking inside of you, but they haven't. So not being too attached to their original reply, you know, their reaction. Don't take it so seriously. Realize that they need time to figure it out. But letting that person know i know i have to leave in 20 minutes. I really believe in setting boundaries and knowing ahead who is the person that triggers you? Why are they triggering you? What in that what in their behavior is bringing you back to a time when you didn't have autonomy, you know? So I love that knowing ahead of time that, oh, this person's in trouble and this is the strategy I'm going to take since they always come to me or always ask me to do their work. I'm going to do this, this and this. And then if there is a if there's a problem, you know, then you will bring in a supervisor. But if you have uh, addressed it in the most respectful way that still keeps you on your side of the street, then it is about the other person and what they're willing to do.
1: Christina Dennis, thank you so much for joining us. That is why you are the codependency coach. Thank Thank you you so much for all these great tips. Where can they find out more about you?
0: Well, I do have a website, christinadennis.com. It starts with a K. And on there, I have lots and lots of really great surveys and and questionnaires and things that you can get for free to learn a little bit bit more about your codependency. Uh, I am always available, at least for a DM to start a conversation. Um, And you can go and look at some of the things that I've done and decide if there's something that we could do together.
1: And we've got a profile for Christina here at recoveredlife.us. And we'll put a bunch of those links in so that you can reach her on Instagram and her website. Christina, thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Oh, you're welcome. Thanks so much.